Welcome to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. Now, on today's podcast, I have the opportunity to share sermon number three in a series on the Trinity. If you're looking for a church to call your own, a place to connect with other believers, let me invite you to join us at Calvary. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and you can find out more information at www.calvaryfayetteville.com. If you'd like to give us a call, you can reach us at 479-442-4634 or email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com. Again, we're looking for those of you who would like to join us as we seek to build something better at Calvary. Now, on today's podcast, I do have the opportunity to share a message about God the Father as we wrap up our series on the Trinity. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 to get us started. Let's listen together. This morning, Jason has led us in a number of songs that have talked about the characteristics of God, talked about his eternal nature, talked about his goodness, his faithfulness. All that leads into our message this morning is we talk about how very good God is. We've been talking for the last several weeks about a few things, and I just want to publicly thank Pastor Kirk. He allowed me the opportunity to share with you a short series before we began our look into the letter of Philippians that'll start next week on Mother's Day. And so let me mention to you that if you are preparing yourself for the series, one of the best things that you can do is to read through that little book as many times as you can. If nothing else, read through the first chapter. Say, God, what are you going to teach me as we look at the little book of Philippians? Now, at the Welcome Center, there are some of those journals that have the book of Philippians in it and then have some blanks beside it. Those are $5 each. Just want to remind you that they're there. If you'd like one of those, Pastor Kirk had those brought in uh, for those that, that wanted them. They were a big hit, I believe, when we did Ephesians and we've done some of our other books and other studies. And so if you want one of those, those are available. Well, as we've been studying, we have been talking about the Trinity And this week, we're wrapping up our study. We did a little bit of an unusual order. Normally, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But because we had been talking so much about Jesus our first week, we looked at the Son as we had led up to Easter. And then that so that Sunday afterwards, we were talking about Jesus, the Son. Then we talked about the Holy Spirit. This idea of Trinity is important. As I mentioned before, the triune nature of God is not an easy concept to understand. We briefly looked at some less successful illustrations. We talked about the egg and how it has a shell, a white and yolk, and all of that is still egg. Now, we've also talked about an apple. You've got the skin, you've got the flesh, you've got the core, and all of those are apple. And we even talked about water, how it could be mist, liquid, and ice. And then I ran across a picture. Joey, show this picture. I'm not a big fan of this for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But for some of us, this may be the picture that you have of God in your mind. We don't want it to be because God can't be summed up in just a little picture like that. But go to the next one. 
Um, this is the image that you'll find on the front of your worship guides. Last week, I shared um, an illustration from Philip Carey, and he shared that if you want an analogy that is designed specifically to capture the logic of God being three in one, the best known is found in Dante's great poem, Divine Comedy, where he tries to describe what it is like to see God in heaven. After warning us that he's about, what he's about to say is woefully inadequate, he nonetheless, he gives it a try. And one of the things that he says is that like seeing three circles of light completely overlapping one another, each with a different color, the strange thing is that the three colors were distinct and unmixed. It was not as if red and yellow and white light came together and combined to make just one pale orange light. It's more like three equal suns occupying exactly the same space, each shining with its own color and each color perfectly itself. Again, while not a perfect illustration, this one does a great job of lining out what we see is in the front of our worship guide or what you see on the screen here. The Spirit is God is not the Son nor the Father, but is God. The Son is not the Father nor the Spirit, but is God. The Father is not the Son nor the Spirit, but is God. And that's a big concept. It's a heavy concept as we try to think it through, and, and people have been trying to figure out how to describe it for centuries. But to better understand the Trinity, we have looked at the individual persons of the Godhead. We have sought to have a greater understanding of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. We learned that he was much more than just a helpless babe in a manger, or a great teacher, or just a miracle worker, or a great sacrifice. We saw from Colossians 1, 15-20, that he was and is first. We learned that he was the agent of creation, and he stands to hold it all together. And we learned that he was and is the great reconciliation so that we can have a relationship with God. Now, as we looked at John 14, verses 15 through 31, we came to an understanding that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is our companion. He is a gift for the believer. He is the great teacher and reminder. And he is our peace. The Spirit isn't something to be feared or left undiscussed because we are to embrace and to lean into the third person of the Godhead. We want and need to be spirit-led followers of Christ as we navigate this world. As we mentioned last week, we as Baptists have a tendency to think about God the Father, God the Son, and his holy book, rather than talking about God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we don't like to hear that, but that's the truth of the matter. We spend a lot of time studying the Bible, and we don't look to the Spirit enough. So we want to be spirit-led as we navigate our world. Today, I want us to look at God the Father. As most of us navigate our relationships and understanding of God, this is the person of the Trinity that we most often think about. And like that little image up on the screen, some of us may think of God as this old man sitting on a throne looking down at us. And while our image of God the Father may be shaped by what we have seen in media over the years, we must look beyond that. I think about two specific images. If you're of a certain age, you saw some George Burns movies with John Denver called Oh God. 
In more recent years, you probably saw Morgan Freeman play God and Bruce Almighty. And neither one of these images or movies properly displayed who God is and how he works. Author and Christian thinker C.S. Lewis has shared, We want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven as grandfather in heaven. A senile benevolence who, as they say, liked to see young people enjoying themselves and whose plan for the universe was simply that it might be truly said at the end of each day a good time was had by all. That's not what the Bible shows us. We need to embrace what the Bible has to say about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In addition, our view of God the Father has been drastically shaped by our own fathers. Was your father a person of integrity? Was your father loving? Did your father help provide for the family? Would you consider your father a wise man? Was your father supportive? If your earthly father provided a great example of loving, kind, and justice-filled father, it is easier to see God for who he truly is. If your father didn't fulfill some of those roles, you have to navigate those emotions and his example to better see who God the Father is. I know that uh, with my kids, while I'm in no way God, I stood as an example of what a father was supposed to be. And their image of God was shaped by my actions as a father, just like your image of God was shaped by your father's example. You see, we must look to the pages of Scripture to understand who God is and specifically who God the Father is. God was referred to our Father 13 times in the Old Testament, and Jesus frequently uh, used uh, this title. It brought a whole new understanding of our relationship with God. Jesus referred to God as his Father over 150 times, and he spoke of God as being our Father, our Father, 30 times. This infuriated the religious Jews of Jesus' day who considered it blasphemy to call God their father because they perceived that to mean that they were equal with God. And we find that in John 5, 17 and 18. With all these things in mind, let's look to our text and to seek to understand better the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. So we want to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Now, for those of us who have dealt with anxiety and worry over the years, this is a common passage. This is one that you've looked at and you've gone, oh, the Bible says don't worry. But there's a couple of phrases that are used in here that are important as we think about God, our Father. Beginning in verse 25 of Matthew 6, the Bible says this, Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You're not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and thrown into the oven, 
will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what we shall wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word, to understand you better, to know you better. So we'll be motivated to to love and to care and to share the message of Jesus with the world. Father, work in our hearts and our lives. Help us to trust you more today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. While not all-encompassing passage, while not an all-encompassing passage concerning God as God the Father, this passage assures us of two things. One, Jesus refers to God as Father and our Heavenly Father. He says to to his disciples, your Heavenly Father. It was not just in reference to him, it was aimed at us as well. And two, God has a perfect Father that meets our needs and provides trustworthiness for his children. God is that perfect father. Anxiety and fear should not rule our lives. God has a perf- is a perfect parent and will meet our needs even when we can't express them. It is that idea of fatherly responsibilities that I want us to develop, dwell, delve into today. While your father may have not checked all of those boxes, he may not have fit all of those categories and been a good example of who God is, God the Father does. Jerry Bridges shares five fatherly responsibilities that God has assumed towards his children. And as we look at God the Father today, that's what I want us to look at. The first is this, that God provides for us. Philippians 4, 19, the Bible says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He will meet our needs. God in his infinite love and concern provides for us. He gives us things that we truly need. As I've shared before with students, with myself, as a reminder, I get needs and wants mixed up all the time. And I need to keep those in mind. You know, even in the world outside of the church, this is understood. Abraham Maslow, a 20th century American psychologist, created his Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, a theory of psychological health predicated on fulfilling innate human needs in priority, culminating in self-actualization. Now, this just gives you an idea that the world looks at this in another way. Down at the bottom, which is the base, go ahead and show this slide, Joey. Physiological needs, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. Those are physical and physiological needs that impact all of people. Then safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Again, you could even go on up, friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection, then esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, freedom. Then at the top, a desire to become the most that one can be. In this hierarchy of needs, 
what do we see? Well, we see that needs are needs. You don't see a, a new truck listed on any of this, do you? You don't see a, a bigger home listed on any of this. But what you do see is that even the world recognizes that air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, those things are needs in our life. And God has said in his word repeatedly that he will supply our needs because of the riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. Our needs are basic in nature, and God provides for them as any God, a good father would. Think about Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. It says, What father among you, if, he asks his, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to all of those who ask him? Our God provides for our needs. God, the Father, provides for our needs. When we don't think we're going to make it, when we can't go on, and think about his audience that he was speaking with. This was a poor community. This was a simple community. And we get stuck on the things that we want. But God, in his infinite love and care and concern, provides for us. Number two, God protects. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 28 through 31, the Bible tells us this, And do not fear those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. God protects us. Now, I want you to understand, can I still say that about those that live in countries where people are killed for their faith? Yes, I can. Because he protects us. He cares for us. And he is the one who sets that hedge around us. In 2006, I began what many might consider a strange journey for a Baptist preacher. I started taking taekwondo. I saw it as a way to move my body, get into a better shape. However, as I took more classes, the motivation became a little bit different. I looked at the idea of protecting my family in moments of danger. My, one of my instructors would say, all right, think about when you throw that punch, if somebody was trying to hurt your family. So we'd hit a bag extra hard, not necessarily an ex a person. But it helped me train harder. With a different mindset, I began to see myself more in that role of protector as father and, as, and of a husband. That was something I always knew but then had not leaned into. I've always been, well, a mild guy. Not one to get into fights or anything like that. But God, God is our protector. God as Father is our protector. And while we may not be shielded from the danger and difficulty, in fact, the book of James, we're studying on Wednesday nights with Pastor Kirk, tells us that we're going to endure trials. We're going to endure difficulty. But for those that have trusted Jesus as their Savior, we cannot be separated from God the Father. Ultimately, we are protected. John 10, 27-30 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. We are protected. God protects his children. Number three, God encourages us. Boy, the words of encouragement can change somebody's life. As I've worked with students over the years, as I've worked with families and just all people across all different spectrums, a simple word of hope and encouragement, a good job, a pat on the back can make your life all the better. There's nothing quite encouraging like the word of a father saying, I love you, I'm proud of you, and great job, son. Or even the exhortation of, you can do it. You're able to do this. In Psalm 10, verses 17 through 18, the Bible says, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. Do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. You will strengthen their heart. That's what God does. He brings encouragement in our lives when we don't think we can go on, when we are just ready to give up. He is there for us. Now, how do we experience the encouragement of the Father? Well, one, what you're doing here today. We make the gathering a priority, and God uses his people to voice what we need to hear. You are being used by God as you come together today to encourage one another. You get to be God's voice in this process. We also need to make reading of his word a priority and see ourselves in what we read and see what we need to hear. And in those things, God the Father uses his spirit to impact us with hope and encouragement. I know that over these past three years, we've all had a rather wild time of it. Some of you have dealt with job problems, job insecurities. Some of you have dealt with physical and health problems. I don't think one of us was left untouched by the events since 2020. But God was there, and he is there for us in moments when we need that encouragement. You may be at a low place in your life right now. I found myself there at times. You may be questioning how to continue on, and it isn't easy, but leaning into a relationship with God will bring you peace beyond what you may think is possible. <coughs> so understand, understand that he is an encourager. But beyond that, he is a comforter. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 4, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Encouragement and comfort go hand in hand, but there is a difference. Encouragement helps us move to where we need to be, while comfort helps us where we're at. You may be at a low place. You may be struggling. But know that the Father is there to provide comfort. 
There's nothing quite like a hug when you are hurting. While God doesn't physically place his arms around us, his comfort feels much like that. It is the warm embrace, and it's maybe the warm embrace that you need. So lean into the Father. He's there for us. Now, the last one is a little bit harder. It's one of those things that we don't like to talk about, but it is important as we do that. Well, number, number five is this, that God disciplines us. Hebrews 12, verses 7 through 11. And again, many of us don't like this idea of being disciplined. We, that's something we do to our children, right? Once we've got past a certain age, we don't accept discipline. But it happens all the time, whether it's at work or whether it is God working in our life, we have to go through it. Verse 7 of chapter 12, it says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate, illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields this peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. No one likes the idea of being disciplined. It's one of those great indicators that we are one of his, though. We don't discipline those that we don't care about. And God cares about us. God uses discipline to shape us as his followers. It can be painful and we may even want to give up, but if we will look beyond the here and now to where God wants to take us, we'll look at discipline in a whole new light and see it as an opportunity to grow more Christ-like. I remember one time I rode out into the street on my little bike. Just boom, straight out into the street. We had gone over to hang out with my cousins. We had taken our bikes in the back of, a, uh, of the truck, and we were all excited. We were going to hang out with our cousins and ride bikes. Simple life when you're a kid. But the first thing I do is I hop onto my bike. I ride straight down to the street without looking left or right. And my dad snatched up my bike, put it back in the truck, and said, that's the consequence and that's the discipline. And I couldn't ride with my, my cousins that day, and I was bummed. But that's what discipline is all about. It shapes us. You know what? I never did that again. There are things in your life where God disciplines you, and it hurts, and it is painful. But he does that to shape us. Now, when it's happening, sometimes it's not easy to understand why he's doing it. But as we look back, we understand God is, was teaching us. And if we can go into our life understanding that God does this as God the Father, then we will be more likely to accept things as they happen and look for the reasons of why they're occurring. A good father is one that loves in word and deed, and God the Father is that in our lives. He cares about us. He looks to us as his children He's more than just the stern ruler of the universe. He is a perfect father who provides for all of our needs, every single one of them. So the question is, 
Do we trust him in that way today? Do we look to him as, as a good father, as one who cares about us? Or do we look to him as a judge that's going to throw down his lightning bolts if we say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing? We'd make jokes in Bible college. I mean, that's kind of what you do. But as you're sitting at a table and you would see two people just automatically scoot away from somebody, you realize they said something that may be close to blasphemous. And so they would say, well, we don't want to get hit by the lightning. Is that the only way you view God, though? As a great judge, we need to look at him as that perfect father. My father loved me. He cared about me. He loved his family. But he could also be stern. He was also just. He was also a man of integrity. As I look to get my God, the Father, I think he's all of those things. And again, you may have had a bad experience growing up. Your dad might have not been a believer. He might not have been a follower of Christ. And I want you to understand, that's okay. Because he is a father, God, the father, is a father to the fatherless. In providing for our spiritual needs, have you accepted this free gift of salvation that he offers through his son, Jesus Christ? You know, we can trust him as a father, and he provides for all of these other needs in our life. We had that little list that we had on the screen. The biggest should have been the base of all of that, our spiritual need, our need for Jesus. So do you trust him as a father today? And then for those of you who do, do you lean into that daily relationship with him, knowing that he can and that he will provide for your needs? Because he's here for us. He cares about us. And he wants us to look to him. So as we go forward as a church and we try to figure out who we need to be in our community, what do we do? We lean into our relationship with the Father. We pray and we ask, God, give us direction. Help us to figure this out. We know that you're in control. You're sovereign. You're loving. You care. All of those things. But we need to look to him. Just like a little over a decade ago, I'd go to my dad and ask, what should I do next? But our Heavenly Father is perfect. He's going to show us and we need to trust him and lean into that relationship as a body. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you work in our hearts and minds today, that you continue to help us just to simply trust you. At times, it is hard and it is difficult. When we're going through things that we don't understand and we don't see why we have to endure them, Father, just help us. Help us to look to you and know that you're a perfect father, that your will is perfect, your word is perfect, and you want the best for us. So, Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you and they haven't accepted Jesus, it's always my prayer that today will be the day that they'll seek out someone to show them the message of Jesus. Father, if there's someone here that that needs to trust you more, that before they leave, they'll just simply kneel where they're at. They'll ask for your help in doing that. God, work in our hearts and lives this week. Help us to be your people 
as we go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.